So let's look at the Word of God here uh, today. I want to share with you from the Word of God, uh, regardless of what goes on in your life, what you go through, the Word is able to deliver you. Uh, because the Word of God uh, is not just words as we speak. The Word of God is a person. And, and that person is God himself. And we want to really understand that. The Word of God is a person. And so when we come together, we want to come together to hear from the Lord. Uh, in the first service uh, and the second, we sang, Spirit of the living God, we only want to hear your voice. We, we, just, we don't want to hear other voices. We want to hear his voices. And there's another part of that song that is very important, and I want you to, to, to get this. It says, we are hanging on every word. We're hanging on every word. What I would like for all of us, myself included, to really value the Word of God and not the Word of God just as it comes through me, just my own thinking, but I want to value the Word as it comes through any vessel of God and put a premium on the Word of God. We are living in harsh times, perilous times. And if, if you don't know that by now, you will know it when it comes closer to your door, when it knocks on your door. And you don't want to be prepared for a storm uh, when it's there in, in uh, Corpus Christi Bay. You don't want to start preparing. You want to prepare for the storm when it's way out there, way out there. You want to be prepared. I'll be ready. My, my house is boarded up. I'm ready for it. Or if I need to leave town, I have a full tank of gasoline. I'm not going to wait until the storm gets in Corpus Christi Bay to go by the gas station. You know, so that a lot of times we live our lives like that. And I call that raggedy living. Yeah? Is that okay? We had a wonderful program. I shouldn't be so tough, right? Yeah, I don't mean to be tough. I just am intense. I've told you about that. A number of years ago, when we first started to travel around the world preaching the gospel, uh, uh, I didn't take it as an insult. I left, and uh, somebody said, we're just glad he's gone for a while. <laughs> I didn't take it as an insult. But uh, I do believe that we are the people of God, and we should walk in this amazing reality and uh, these awesome blessings that God has given to us. And uh, I want to talk to you today about the work of Christ. And when I look around the room, and you look around the room, you see everybody in here. I would say the vast majority of everybody here maybe at 98, 99% of everyone here ha, uh, is a result of the work of God. So, amen. we were born with a natural proclivity to do wrong, to sin. We were born with this, what we call propensity. In that, in that we, we could do it automatically. No one ever had to tell us, okay, now this is how you sin. But they did have to tell us this is what is right. And so because we were born like that, we needed God to do something for us and something in us 
to make us different than all the peoples of the earth. And that's what God has done. And he did it through Christ the Word. Did it through Christ the Word. As I've said to you, I want to say again because I think we learn by repetition, but Jesus, the Word of God, is the one who has who made everything and when the enemy satan lucifer uh, this uh, crazy mystery of iniquity happened this devil messed up everything through a man through a man adam the first man and so god had given this man adam and i'm going to preach it i feel myself doing that but but God had given this man dominion and authority in the earth, and God never took it back. This is an amazing thing about God, and I know there are people, and perhaps some of you in this room, who believe uh, that God takes back the salvation he gives you. And I don't want to get into all of that with you. I will in my office. But, but, but God didn't take back the authority he gave Adam. He didn't take back the dominion, and nor did he take back the ability to subdue everything that needed to be subdued. And so what God did when he, when he as it were, saw that we were a mess, God became a man. That is so big for me. I, I mean, I, that's not my message, but I just have to say it to you. That's so big to me, and these things don't leave me. God became a man. And, and, and what God did in becoming a man, then he gave a human body to his word. So his word now has a human body. The word of God, that omnipresence, that omnipotence, that omniscient, these words all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere. That's how the word was. And that word somehow in a mystery could be placed in a human body. And he did that for us. And so what I'm saying to you is that that word is what works for you. That word, Jesus, the word works for you. So when God speaks, you have to be listening because that word is working for you. It's doing something in you and something for you. Amen? And uh, in, in my text, in my, my text is John 5, uh, 16 through 17 and 17. But I want to talk about the work of Christ, what he does, how he does it. Because what uh, we said, when we see, how did the song go, Steph? When we, we see, it changes what we're seeing. When, when Jesus comes in, it changes what we see what, and what we seek. It changes what we see, and it changes what we seek. It, it does both. It changes what you see. It changes the way you look at things. Because m most of us, if not every one of us, we get in the predicaments that we get in because, because of the way we are seeing things, because the way we see life, the way we see each other. That's how we get into bad stuff. And so if you come into uh, a, a, a dysfunction, you know, you, you, you live a life of dysfunction, and you're there oftentimes, if not every time, you're there because of 
what you're seeing and the way you're reacting to what you see. You, you get there by your thinking. And so you're not going to get out of there by more of your thinking. So you, you get out of there by coming here and hearing what God has to say. And if I mess up, God, God will, 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 as it were, shake it out. You don't have to worry about it. I gave you an example of that. God will shake that stuff out. You, you know, even, I'm going to give you a story. I'm going to get into the message I really believe. But, but I, I told you the story about our son who was uh, about a, maybe 11-year-old. It was shortly after we had come back from Egypt. Somebody in the church stood and, and like, as it were, prophesied. And uh, he's a little boy, and he said to me, he, he, he had a little bit of a speech impediment. He said, he, he, he dead, dead. Uh, was that uh, from the Lord? I said, son, we're not going to talk about that. You know? He said, well, 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 uh, am I a member of the church? I, I said, yes. Well, should, I, should the members of the church know if something is from the Lord? <laughs> I mean, you know why? Uh, I don't know about you parents, but it just makes you want to just take your belt off the little child. <laughs> I mean, why don't you outthink me? But anyway, and, and, and I said, uh, yeah, son, uh, I was reluctant to tell him because I didn't want him to think bad, uh, about, badly about anybody. And so what he said to me was, he said, well, well, dad, when they started off, it was God, right? I said, yeah, it was, son. He said, but when they kept going, it was not. I said, yes, that's right. That's right. What we want to do is hear from God, and, and we want to just stay there. And I, I, my point in, in the story is that if something is not from God, God will shake it out, and it will be obvious even to a, a child. Let's look at the story here, because I think there's something for each one of us. God has made us overcomers. God has made us victorious people. Uh, I heard a, a story. I, I, I'm just going to apologize. I'm all off the subject, all right? But I feel like the Lord wants me to say something. I, I, I heard a, a, a television, a newscast, and I heard someone, and I want to call names, not because I'm afraid to, but I don't want to do disservice because they can't call everybody's name who, mess, who messed up on the TV. So this person was saying that God had made them a certain way. And everybody in, the, in, the, in that particular section of the media, they were just going with it and going with it and, and how eloquent it was. And, but see, I've lived long enough to know that some things can be eloquent, eloquent but still wrong. You know, I've lived long enough to know that. And so I thought about it, and, and the thing is, I, I was pondering it over it all, all the day and the night, and I realized that God didn't make the person the way they were. God made Adam perfect. And because Adam sinned, then from Adam, all these sinful inclinations have come. Now, you cannot convince me according to the Word of God. You may convince me but by some other... No, you may convince yourself by some other reasoning. You're not going to convince me. But God didn't make us bad. When God made Adam, it was good. And Adam went the wrong way. And that's the mystery of iniquity. We don't have time to talk about it. 
But, but so I was thinking about it, and so the whole world says, well, we were made bad. We, we weren't made bad by God. We were born with a proclivity to do wrong. Every one of us in this room, every human being that's ever been born, we were made like we were born with a proclivity to sin. And what God has done through the Word of God, not through philosophy, not through human reasoning, but through the Word of God, He has made us, now made us a new creation. For if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. And behold, look, it's what you see changes what you see. Look, behold, all things are made new. All things have become new. And this is what God wants us to understand and what he wants us to know. And even as believers, we cannot negate that by, by negative experiences. We cannot negate that by conversations. We are the holders of the truth, if I may say it like that. We are the holders of the truth. We are the purveyors of the truth of God. And the truth of God is not something that just came into being. The truth of God is even greater than fact, is greater than even what we think is true. The truth of God predates it all because the truth of God is a person and that knowledge is in us. It's in the body of Christ and we should be convinced by no other. Amen. Are you with me? So let us walk in the truth of God. I cannot, I cannot walk in the truth of God if I don't see Jesus the truth, the one who says to us, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. So let us walk in that. Now, I, I, I will say a few things about my message, and, uh, and then we'll just see what happens. In, in verse 16 of John 5, he says, For this reason the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him, because he had done these things on the Sabbath. Now, let me give you a little background for the story. Jesus had uh, walked by the pool of Bethesda, saw an impotent man, a man who had been uh, lame for 38 years. And Jesus asked him if he wanted to be healed. And the man started giving him a big story about, you know, what happens, you know, that's why he's not healed. Jesus healed the man. And uh, the, the, the leadership of the Jews wanted to know why uh, this man was carrying his bed on the Sabbath day. And so because Jesus had done a good thing on the Sabbath, they, they wanted to kill him. He says they sought, to, they persecuted him. That is, they followed him around, giving him a very difficult time, and they, they desired to murder him because he healed somebody. And that shows us the depravity of man. But, but the, the, the mind-boggling reality here is that these were not just the heathen folk. These were church folk gone bad. Well, maybe I ought to say religious folks, but I say church for the benefit of us over here. They had gone bad. And now they had forsaken, as it were, the word of God, the truth of God, and had put in his place something that was not 
the word or the truth. And what you and I must be vigilant to do, we must be vigilant to hold on to the truth of God. You and I have treasure from heaven. I would like to say it again another way. We have now within our frame the treasure of heaven. And so they sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them. And this is what Jesus says. It's an amazing thing. Following the Spirit of God can get you into trouble. But don't worry about that. You follow the Spirit of God because where, where the Spirit of God, as it were, takes you into trouble can also bring you out. But whatever the Spirit of God does, whether he brings you out victoriously in this life, and you can read about yourself in charisma, you know, I mean, that's one form of blessing, but regardless of that, he is going to take you into victory no matter what. That, that is a promise from God. And so he says, Jesus answered them, wasn't afraid to say, my father has been working until now, and I have been working. What Jesus is implying here is that, is that God, the father, has been working since creation on every day including the Sabbath. And he says, um, and I have been working. He says, I have been working. And so they sought all the more to kill Jesus. So the work of Christ was to do the work of the Father, whatever the Father wanted. And our work is to do whatever Jesus wants, whatever Jesus wants. Remember in John chapter 8, we talked about this uh, several times, where Jesus tells uh, those who were persecuting him, I always do that which pleases the, my Father. You know, the Father who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that please him. And I remember when I read that, it just really changed my whole life. And I would say, whether I do everything that pleases him or not, I try. It is my endeavor to do everything, and it should be every person's endeavor here to do whatever he wants. And it shouldn't have to go through your filters to be right. It's objectively correct. And so, and so when Jesus says he does all, all these, everything to please the Father, had always pleased the Father, he tells us, and Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that when he says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Before he tells us that, he tells us that Jesus died for all of us. In other words, it was your death that he died. You were the one who was supposed to be hung, hanging on a cross. You were to, to endure punishment that no human could ever endure. That was your death. That was your punishment. Jesus took that. So the scripture says he died for us. All right? And so because if one died, then all died. And then he rose again for us for a purpose to empower you. You are more powerful than you know even now. I am more powerful than I know, but I'm learning. Are you learning? Amen. So he, he died, he rose again, so that those of us who live, now he doesn't mean just biologically, but those of us who are alive in God, those of us who are alive in Jesus Christ, should live no longer for yourself should live no longer for yourself. I'm talking about men and women here, right? Men and women and children. 
you should live no longer for yourself. So then that means that, uh, that you must not have a, a life planned out for you and all that you want. You should now live unto him, live for him like he lived for the Father. And so you say, well, nobody can do that. You're right. No one can do that on his or her own. But we can do that by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. You and I now have the Spirit of God. I said, you and I now have the Spirit of God. Wow. Wow. I mean, that just it messes with me. Does it do anything for you or is it just old, old news? You know, there's some news that how, it doesn't matter how many times you've heard it or when you heard it, it's still like new. Yeah. You know, and the fact that you and I have been enabled with and by the Spirit of God just amazes me. You and I can do what no other human beings were able on the earth to do. And, and it's almost as though these things don't affect us until we're in trouble. Have you noticed how we are? When we get in trouble, we want to call on Jesus, 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 Jesus. You, know? <laughs> you don't have to do that, all right? Let's don't do that. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You know, of course, if you get in serious trouble, go ahead and do that. But you can do it before. And now the cross of Christ is so culminating. That is, it brings everything to a, an end. It brings everything to an exclamation point. The cross is God's exclamation point. Huh? Remember when we were children studying in school? I, I mean, I'm a lot older than most of you. But when we used to study in school, they taught us what periods were. You know, at the, at the end of the period, let your voice drop. You know, J uh, Johnny, I uh, know, Dick and Jane ran. Right? But at an exclamation point, it was a shout. It was like a crescendo. An uh, exclamation point, they would say, shout it. You know, when you ask a question, you let your voice stay up at the end of the sentence. Did you go over there? You know, so everybody knows it's a question, right? But an exclamation point is a crescendo. Jesus rose from the grave. Yeah. You know, Jesus lives in you. That was an exclamation point. The cross, it is finished. That's an exclamation point. That's God putting his spear in the ground and saying, I am victorious. Even in death, even in death, this is not a made-up story. And, and if you were to ask me, how do you know, Pastor? Because I have, and so do you who are born again, I have within me a witness. It is amazing. This life is amazing when you and I get in touch with this life. That is, our life is not just the breath that we breathe, the oxygen. Our life is deeper than that. Our life is the one who made the oxygen. Our, our life is Jesus Christ. This is huge business. And many of us are sort of, um, I hate to use this word, but, but nonchalant or happy-go-lucky. You know what I'm saying? Just going around, looking at what we can do, you know. You know, I'm just doing this. You know, but this is the amazing thing. You have the life of God in you. So you are able to do what humans could never do before Jesus died on the cross. So that means that, Paul, as Paul says, that, that these things that were written before in the Old Covenant, they were written for our learning. But, but, but 
but they were for those on whom the ends of the age had come, ages had come. And so what God did, he saved us. See, God is amazing in his, ama his amazing history. He has saved us for end times. And, and so many of us are wasting the knowledge and wasting the breath and the life because we're concerned about ourselves. It's amazing stuff that God saved the end times for us. He saved you. You could have been born in 1800, or you could have been born in 500 B.C. Boy, what would you have done if you had a toothache back then? <laughs> but you, you weren't born then. You were born now. And on th those of us on whom the ends of the ages have come, and we were born to be the house of God. Yes. Can you imagine? Yes. There were prophets and, and wise men and kings who wanted to hear what you are hearing, yes. who wanted to hear what the disciples are hearing, and they did not hear it. And will it be wasted on you? Will it be wasted on me? I say, no way. Are you with me? So this culminating work of the cross is so amazing. It culminated in victory. He brought all of the failures of mankind into victory on that cross. I, I'm so blessed by that. I, I trust you are blessed by that. So wh why am I saying that? I'm saying you are the work of God, and now you have been enabled to do the work of God. I like to compare us. When, when we travel around the world, uh, always the team, the team, there's just so many uh, varied gifts in a team. And, and so one has gift of teaching, really teaching, one preaching, one organizing, one seeing what we need to do at the moment. And I, I was thinking one day, and I said, boy, we're like those Marvel comic heroes, <laughs> just better than they are, just better than they are. Yeah, you know how one can do one thing and one another, but said, we, we've got, we're better than those guys. We're like those guys. God has enabled us by his spirit or with his spirit. And it doesn't matter what has gone on in your life this week. It doesn't matter what has gone on in your life today. What matters is that God has made you to exclaim it, that is to be an exclamation mark of his glory. That's what God has done. So understand that and then walk in that because he has enabled you to see. So in, um, in John 4.34, um, when the disciples came back from town buying some food, Jesus was on his way from Jerusalem. He was going up to Galilee, probably Capernaum. And, uh, and he was, the Bible says he had a, a need to go through Samaria. It says in the King James, I remember, I don't know why I can't remember these other versions, but I, I grew up with King James, and it says Jesus must needs go <laughs> through Samaria. Remember that? Must needs. Well, nobody talks like that anymore, except for old folks. But he said, must needs go through Samaria. And what, what I think that meant is the Holy Spirit was, was taking him to Samaria. So he had a roof of the Holy Spirit. And, and I don't want you to deny that. I don't want you to try to negate that. Roof, the Holy Spirit is taking you somewhere. Roof, maybe the Holy Spirit is just causing you to say yes or no. 
you know? And, and Jesus had that. He must needs go through Samaria. So he goes to Samaria, and he sits down uh, uh, by Jacob's well, by, by the Holy Spirit, not just because it was the, uh, the first place to sit. He sat there by the Holy Spirit, and he had a tremendous work to do. And you know the story of the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, who, was, who uh, the Samaritans were always called unclean. It's like you can take... 50 showers and you're still unclean, right? And, and that's how the, the Jewish people looked upon them because they were such heathens. But Jesus went there, and, and uh, I know some of you are finicky here. You're really finicky. I, I, I'm finicky. Don't tell anybody. But, but God is healing me. Uh, day by day, he heals me. You know, I mean, you can't travel without being healed. But... But Jesus asked her for a drink. Jesus asked her for a drink. So give me a drink. Aren't you a Jew? You're asking me, a Samaritan, for a drink? You know, you, you know y'all don't have anything to do with us? Y'all think you're too good for us? If you knew who I I was. If you knew the gift of God and you knew who it was who was asking you, you would have asked him. He would give you living water. Now, that's where this story comes. And so you know the story, how, how Jesus talks to her about her life, and she's convinced that he is the Messiah. So, so the disciples come back, and they say to Jesus, Jesus, uh, have something to eat. And he said, I don't want anything. I, I, that's my, my take. I don't want anything. He said, well, well, eat, Jesus. You know, we, you, we, it's a long walk. Eat, Lord. He said, nah, I've got food to eat that you don't even know about. I've got food to eat that you haven't really come to yet. And I, I, you know, there's a, in, in, in Spanish, this word, que lastima. Que lastima. What does that mean? What a pity. What a pity. Que lastima. What a, que vergüenza. What does that mean? What a shame. Que lastima. What a Pity. Oh, what a shame if you and I live this life and never avail ourselves of what God has given us through Jesus Christ, the Word of God, because the Word of God is our power. And that, don't be jealous for Jesus the man, because Jesus the man is the Word of God. That's our power. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and so Jesus says, I have food to eat that you don't know about. It, wouldn't it be a shame to, to die and see Jesus and recognize that you never really availed yourself of the food? What was the food? What was the food? It was the Word of God. It was the will of God. The will of God cannot be separated from the Word of God. If you want to know the Word of God, you, 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 know, you must then have the will of God. If you want to walk in the will of God, you have to do it through the Word of God. And if you want to live forever, you must have the Word of God. That's amazing. So, amen. So, so, so I, I always want you to know who you are. I want you to know what God has given to you. So Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. So what does that mean? I, I, my, my food, it is my very food. It's my sustenance. I am sustained by doing the will of God. I am sustained by 
by doing the purpose of God. I am sustained by the by moving in the desire of God and the pleasure of God. I desire to give God the Father pleasure, and I desire, I desire, I ask you, do you desire to give Jesus pleasure? This is what Jesus went on to say. He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. I am driven. I know I'm driven. This is not a commercial for TFI. I'm driven. I'm driven to finish. To finish his work. I am driven. Do you have a drive to finish well? Maybe you're too young. Maybe you're, you need to be a little older. But what if you were to die young? You can finish well if you were to die young. You know, I have a desire to finish well. That is to accomplish what he has given me to accomplish. Every one of us has something that God has given you to accomplish. So he has given me to complete something. I must bring something to an end. And what I think God wants to do, he wants us to do it in a, in a massive way. I believe that you have been called to bring something to an end, to finish well. Now, let me say a couple of more things. Okay. When I say a couple, don't take that literally. No Texan uses couple literally. All right. John 5, 19 says, Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Father, the Son also does in like manner. These verses so inform my Christian life and my walk. And if I share them from time to time, usually uh, with different uh, aspects and different perspectives, but as I share them with you, know that they are informative to me. They are informing me. And the, ver the preceding verse, or, or 17, Jesus says, my father has been working until now, and I've been working. Then in verse 19, he says, I, I say to you, the son. Now, this is what he's saying. He says, the son, the, the person Jesus, can do nothing of himself. He says, the word Jesus can do nothing of himself. He says, this is what the word is waiting on. He's waiting on the father to say something to go into action. It says, so what he sees the Father doing, the Word then does whatever the Father does. Doesn't add to it. Doesn't detract it. Doesn't tweak the Father. He doesn't do that. But the Word does exactly what he sees the Father does. And whatever the Father does, the Son does it the same way. And that is the secret of Jesus' success. Yeah. Our sister told us when he comes into the room, it changes the way we see. I've talked to you about seeing before. I've talked to you about seeing when, when I was a young adult and saw those, that board on the wall with the sticks on the board. And once I saw Jesus, I could never unsee him. And so what I want you to do is continually see Jesus. In verse 20, he says, For the Father loves the Son 
Now, God loves you. Um, I, we, we sang a little song, a little chorus this morning. Uh, Jesus loves me. And, and there's another one that says, yes, Jesus, no. Oh, how I love Jesus. You, you know that one? Can, can, can you sing a little chorus with me? How I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. Wow. Now, now what that says is that, uh, that Jesus loved us, and now we have the ability to love. I promise you, the only reason the enemy brings anger and fear, because through that, he can get you to forsake loving. So the next time anger and fear comes, say, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I'm a loving person. You have to talk to yourself. I'm a loving person. I love Jesus because he enabled me. He first loved me. We love him because he first loved us. We love because he loved us. And now he has inculcated, embedded his love into us. Can we sing the other one? A little, the children's. This I know. For the Bible tells me so, little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Say it. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. For Tells me so. Listen, maybe it's a little child's song, but it's so real and so powerful. And Jesus has imparted that to you. This is the work of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let me say a couple more things. Huh? I said a couple, now I'm going to say a couple more. Okay, I'm going, I'm actually, I skipped a, a whole body of, of good stuff, but I'm going to give you the end. I'm going to give you one of my endings. <laughs> you know, if you're a preacher, if you're a preacher, you need to have a lot of exits. <laughs> you know, it's like the freeway. You don't want to go in those, floor, one of those Florida turnpikes where you can't get off. You ever been on stuff like that? Or you're over in Louisiana, somewhere on that ponton train bridge, you're there. You say, I'm panicking. You're just going to panic there, right? But as a, as a pastor, as a preacher, I've got exits all built all into the sermon because that's, that way I don't go too, too, too long. All right. You notice I said too, too, too long. But in John chapter 6, verse, verses 28 and 29, it says, Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? So man always wants to work the work, works of God, but you can't work the works of God in your own way. You can't do your own thing. I dare say there's somebody here who wants God to approve of what they're doing. 
What shall we do that we may work the works of God? So Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work. This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. Now, this is what God is saying. This is what believing in, in him is like. I know there are some brothers who, who differentiate between believing and faith. I don't see the difference. I don't. If you do, you can teach me. Because if I believe in him, that means I put my faith in him. It means that I put my trust in him. It means that I go one step further, I entrust myself to him. So that means even when I don't understand, I believe, I trust in him. But even when I don't understand, I let him defend me. I'm getting there better. The scripture says that when Jesus was reviled, he did not revile in return. That means when somebody said something ugly to Jesus, he didn't use that as an opportunity to cut him down. Amen. And when he suffered, he did not threaten, but he committed himself into the hands of the one, God the Father, the one who judges righteously. Wow. What a church. What a church we would be if we did the works of Christ. What a church. We would be if we show our belief in Christ by putting ourselves into his hand. And then, then they said, well, what sign will you do that we may believe, see it and believe in you? What work will you do? The Pharisees wanted to see, then believe. But that's not God's order for all of us. We must first accept everything by faith, by faith. Would you give Jesus a wonderful hand? Amen. Thank you for the work of God. And, and I want to thank you for just allowing me to just start this message because I felt like the Lord wanted me to go in that direction. And, and I want you to take it, take it home. What is your takeaway today? What, what do you take away from this message today? Just maybe this or that? No. I want you to take away this, that God has done miraculous things for you through Jesus Christ the Word. God so loved you that He became a man, and He can never unman himself. Okay, I'm coining some <laughs> words here. He can never unhuman himself. He is forever this. I want you to see the great sacrifice. God became a man. And then God, and what God did through his humanity, through his perfectness, he took back everything that the enemy stole and he made us more than conquerors. He made us victorious in every situation. He made us victorious in life. Right now, I'm victorious. You are victorious. You say, but you don't know what's on my neck. Man, you're still talking.
Are you with me? So, so Jesus, being the first man, the first person to die a victorious death, has given that to you. The first person to overcome every obstacle, and good things don't add to Jesus, bad things don't detract from it. He's given that to you. So now that all things are working for you, As I said in my message, even if you die, you too will die a victorious death because of Jesus. I want you to take away that you are more than conquerors in this life. You don't conquer like the world conquers. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty in God. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Go out of here knowing who you are and whose you are. Go out. Amen. 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 I want to ask a question. Is there anyone who has come here today and you say, Pastor, I'm not saved. I'd like to be. You said, I'm not saved. I want to be saved. Would you raise your hand? That is, let me tell you what you're being saved from. You're being saved from going to hell. You are saved from spending eternity with the devil. You are saved from being in utter darkness. You are saved from yourself. If that's you today, I want you to raise your hand. Everybody in here who is saved has been saved from all those things. But I want you to raise your hand. I want to offer you an opportunity for salvation. Is that you? Anybody? Anyone? Anyone? Okay, I see no hands. Now, this was a tremendous offer that God had me make you. So, now, l let me say this. I'm not being, being, being crass or anything. I'm not being mean or, or anything. But if, you leave, if you're not saved, you leave here today, and you don't make it home, and you say, God, I said, God, I went to church. He said, said, Preacher, I ask you to come to Jesus. You know, don't ever turn down an invitation to be with Jesus. Some, we see somebody? Is there a hand? Oh, baby. Baby, I thought you were waving. Come on up here. Come, you, could you come up with your mom? Come. All right. Well, that goes for everybody but her. You, you don't want to see Jesus and, and say, well, he says, I gave you multiple opportunities, but you didn't take them. Come on, precious. I'm so glad to see you. In Jesus' name. Wow, Mallory. Mallory, stop my, my, my little rebuke here. Oh, Mallory, today you, you're coming to Jesus Christ. You're going to receive him into your heart. And, and he, he, he will stay in your heart forever. And I want you to now just repeat after me. Say, dear God, I come to you and ask you to forgive me of my sins. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, 
I can freely ask. For, please forgive me. Accept me into your family. And I will live for you forever. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for your forgiveness. Father, I bless Mallory. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right. All right. Would everybody stand? Everybody stand. Everyone stand. Everyone stand. We have a Bible for Mallory. Let's give her one. Everyone standing. Everyone standing. Let us lift our hands to the Lord. Let us lift our hands to the Lord. And we're going to bless everybody and we're going to let you go. Now let's say together, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. And the Lord give you his peace. In Jesus' name, I bless you. Amen. Have a great day. Go with God.